All right. How are you getting on? Paul Rise. Paul Riser. Um, are you good? Are you well? Are you looking after yourself? Did you enjoy that fine weather we had there, I assume, over the weekend? I'm recording this in advance. When I see it's going to be 22 degrees, I just... Oh, regardless of me being hot, um, and I'm a very hot guy, but regardless of me getting too hot, uh, too warm, and I, I can't really handle the heat. Um, I should get out of the kitchen, you're right. Um, regardless of that, uh, when I when I kind of see in advance that we're going to have good weather, you know, and especially now, especially you haven't been indoors spend so much time indoors and you know kind of that being okay for at times you know kind of when there's when there's an expectation that you're going to be out but you haven't fully made a plan to be out you know what i mean that's i'm, I'm I, I don't want to say anxiety because i don't want to i don't want to um take away from people who actually suffer from uh proper anxiety but you know you get a little my tummy does a little whip does a little whoopsie toasty a little tummy do you know what i mean it's a little whoop de doo uh, when I kind of feel the uh, there's going to be a social obligation now that I've been out, that I've posted about it on a social media in some capacity, you know. My son needs vitamin D and things like this, you know. And, you're like, Ooh, you know? Uh, and as much as I, I, I've been, you know, moaning about, well, I haven't really been moaning too much, but, you know, I have had my moans about being forced to stay indoors and we've we've gone fully with Neffet, we've gone against Neffet, we've said, oh, but what about Sweden? Then loads of Swedish people die, you know? And um, I'm not trying to make light of that, but you know what I mean? Like, sometimes we just, we, we, we kind of flip-flop what our thoughts have been in the last year, you know? Yeah, now we're coming out of this thing, and not to say not to say that I'm going to miss it, because that's not a thing, but I've been, I've been indoors a lot, and now we're going to be going outdoors a bit, and I'm a bit, oof, you know? I mean, I will, you know, you got to power through. you got to follow the fear, you know? I, I, I've realized, especially now as we get older, there's so many things. I mean, I've talked about this before, you know, get wearing a new hat, you know. If you have that feeling that's kind of like, oh, I don't know, I'm a bit scared about wearing a hat, you know. If it was a hat that you didn't like, you would have no issue with putting it on. Do you know what I mean? If it was a shit hat, you would wear it for a laugh. You wouldn't be like, oh, should I wear the hat, you know. So why is it the hat that you want to wear? You're like, oh, I don't know, should I, you know, <laughs> you know. If someone said, put this big disco ball on your head and we're going to shine a torch on it, you'd be like, absolutely. But if someone's like, once you wear this hat, it makes you look good. And I know you think it makes you look good. You're like, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's some, I think it's some good, excited nerves, I think, um, for things going back. But I'm, I'm definitely not, you know, I don't want you to fucking tell me what to do. Do you know what I mean? I don't tell, tell me to be outside. I don't even know if it was 22 degrees. Hopefully, hopefully you had a good day. Um, uh, do you know what I did today? That um, I had to take a bit of a uh, you know a hard look at myself. Like I know I know I know our generation, and I'm basically speaking about anyone uh, um, under forty five. <laughs> I know our generation is considered to be a lot more kind of um, frivolous with cash and just to be spending and not, and all this stuff. And we have this kind of reputation that oh the the previous generation you know they knuckled down, they saved, they didn't spend any money. You know, and they got houses, but you know, it, it, I'm not getting into the whole socioeconomic thing of you know the fact that we have nothing to save for, you know, and um, and so people just they have money and they spend it on things in a kind of more present day, and they're not necessarily planning for the future. I'm not getting into that, but I did have to take a good hard look at myself because I spent 25 euro today on um, on essentially bacon and cheese. <laughs> I, I went into a fine Italian delicatessen. 
Um, and as you know, I'm somewhat of a, you know, an aficionado, pasta aficionado. I'm making a, a, a traditional carbonara, you know. Um, I've never heard anyone cook a carbonara with, with cream. I've never seen that anywhere ever. Yet I know I am to be, a, you know, to find that abhorrent. You know, <laughs> I know I'm meant to be like, well, you can't be just fucking Italian a fucking cream. But I spent 25 euros a day in an Italian delicatessen. And, um, and well, basically, I bought, I bought some uh, guanciale, which is a uh, salted pork gel, uh, I think. And um, kind of the cheek of the, of, the, of the pork, big fatty bit of pork. Um, and uh, two types of hard cheese, a pecorino and a parmesan. And uh, it was 25, 25 euro. And I kind of expected it to be 25 euro. And then I was walking out and I'm like, that's bacon and cheese. <laughs> like it's bacon and you spent 25 euro on bacon and cheese. That's not, that's not fancy. Like that's, you're not a fancy man. You're not a better man. And that's, that's pretty dumb. It's pretty stupid. I mean, y- you know, it's, it's probably good, but is it five times better than, Buying bacon and cheese in a te- in Tesco, do you know what I mean? Is it is it five times better, like times better, like twice as good? Like say, like I would say a a bread forty one croissant is twice as good as a Tesco croissant. <laughs> is this any good? Um, you know what I mean? Like twice as good is still huge. Twice, two times as good, right? Or like um. Whatever I think, Coca Cola is twice as good as as the Cadet Cola, you know, and I might be happy paying twice as much for that, you know, but five times as much. Here's another weird one, right? You know the G's that you feel when you're taking off in a in a passenger jet. That's around one point two G's. We were talking about this the other day. the The amount of G's that they have to go through in the NASA centrifuge to to prepare for a rocket launch. Is 20 G's. That means it's essentially what? 15, 16? 15, 16? 15 or 16 times? Uh, 15 or 16 times that uncomfortable feeling you feel when you're taking off in a jet. 15, not even double that. And again. And again. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying Guanciale is not... Look, I'm, I'm also kind of bragging about the fact that I bought some Guanciale, but I'm just... You know what I mean? Like, I'm not taking... I'm not deriving... It's the trap. It's the it's the honey trap. It's that... Is it five times better? You know? Probably not. Uh, or I just should have just shopped somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're not just going into... A, I mean, I did walk it into a fine... I don't really know what my point is. But... I am going to be a bit more, I'm going to, if I personally don't think that something's five times better, why should I pay five times? Do you know what I mean? Because although, yes, we might not have the ability to save, you know, we might not be able to afford to save, and even if we could not even be able to get a house, there are still people looking for that cash. (laughs) I mean, they're not. I went into the delicatessen. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's just not five times better. Do you know what I mean? You want to make a fucking mug of me? Do it on moonpig.com. Upload a photo of me, use their very intuitive online creator tool and send me a picture of myself on a mug. That's how you can make a mug of me. Not <laughs> me paying 25 euro for meats and cheese. And look, I don't have a lot of money. That was a silly move. I'm a comedian in Ireland. <laughs> I can't be spending that money. 
but it's going to be a bang, fucking bang, tidy carbonara. But anyway, you never know. You never know how these things are going to go. You know what I mean? Um, and, on the, and on that topic, uh, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about predictions. Uh, I have found online a couple of predictions, a lot of them from the 1960s. Uh, about what life would have been like in 2020, considering the fact 2020 didn't happen, uh, and that's going to be 2021. Uh, I wanted to kind of weigh up what these futurists, what these quacks in the 1960s thought the uh, 2020s was going to be 60 years later. Um, but before we get onto that, here's a prediction for you. Your face, my arse. You ever that? Everyone's, anyone asked for a match? So you got a match. Yeah, here's a match for you. Your face, my arse. <laughs> I want a rumor. <laughs> no, it's about saying that you um, people have your your someone's face looks like an arse. Got a match? Yeah, my face, your arse, or the other way around. <sighs> anyway, here's a prediction for you. You're gonna love this week's sponsor, guys. You know the way I've been acting really weird recently. Well, the only reason is because I have to tell you about the sponsor of this week's podcast with a Dubliner Irish whiskey. Of course, they're here again, and it's great to have them here. You know they say you should never get so attached to a brand. Well, guess what? Uh, you know, brand me up, tattoo me, uh, green and whatever their other colorways are. Uh, the Dubliner and me are best friends. <laughs> I know they're a fine brand and they're a fine group of people and they make a fine ass whiskey. Uh, when you pour it in a glass, that's a fine ass whiskey. You can drink it neat or with some ice. <laughs> it's a fine ass whiskey. Uh, it's a great whiskey. But they got a lot of whiskeys. They got a lot of fine ass whiskeys falls out there uh, on the, the DLD.com. Uh, the Dublin uh, Liberties Distillery um, And I tell you I mean obviously they've got the, the, the Dubliner that I've been talking about Quite a lot The bourbon cask one That's probably my favourite Because what I like about it you got the traditional Irish whiskey taste you got the sweetness of the bourbon It's great for an old fashioned Great for a whiskey sour um, And I tell you what I loved And I've ran over Because um, I drank it all I mean uh, over time Across a long period of time Responsibly um, But they had this um, Whiskey and honeycomb liqueur And mm, it's like a tasty like a uh, silky smooth kind of crunchy bar taste. And I kind of thought when they told me about it at first, it was like a gimmick. And I was like, I, that does not sound like anything I would be into. But I'm actually, that was the one that I that I finished. That's the one I was so comfortably drinking neat, um, you know, playing some games and stuff like that. Again, responsibly over a long period of time. But now they have a new limited edition release, which is a, a, a collab with uh, Rascals Brewing Company. They'd like to do that. They're a cool disruptive distillery. They like to hang out with, you know, you know, breakout breweries like uh, like Rascals, and they have this uh, smoked stout beer cask uh, edition. There's less than two thousand. You can get it on the DLD.com. And what's great about that's kind of a smoky stout taste, which means that you can use it for if you were to go into a fancy cocktail bar, and you know they put that big kind of like um, like dome <laughs> over your glass of alcohol, and you're like, this is insane. This is an insane amount of pageantry <laughs> for just a small bit of taste. Well, you can get that organically, because all it is is just the Dubliner whiskey, but it's been aged this time in a smoked stout beer uh, cask barrel. So it's kind of organically absorbed. It's not like they put liquid smoke or anything like that. It's all coming just from the um, uh, the barrels. It's, you know, it's a very old traditional way of doing things. And look, they're a cool company. They've been very cool to me. It's the Dubliner Irish Whiskey, the DLD.com, the sponsors of this week's podcast. Now look, let us journey into the past and peer through the curtain of the future and look at the present <laughs> Whatever On this Tony Cantwell shit show This Tony Cantwell shit show And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know That the show is Tony Cantwell shit show And I know, yeah Ah, lovely stuff there 
lovely stuff. Um, well, look, uh, while I while I still have your attention, okay, before you've effed off on me, um, I thought it might be a good chance. Actually, to be honest, you, you, you've asked for it. You guys have come out in your droves. I mean, when I, when I put out a Q&A, it seems to be the number one question I keep getting asked. When is Boner coming back? When is Boner and Fuckler and the crew of the Frigid coming back? If you're not aware, if you're a new listener, potentially, to the podcast within the last year, you might not know that... Um, I'm the writer, um, director, and star of a teen comedy drama called The Frigid, uh, which tells the adventures of Boner and his attempts to get the meat, cash in that F card. Um, so it's been over a year since you've heard from Boner, and um, there was a question last week saying, when are we going to hear from Fuckler and the boys? Well, you know what? I'm a man of me word, and here it is. Episode one of season two of The Frigid. Okay, Boner. I gotta say this as your best friend. You've been pining so much all summer, I wouldn't be surprised if I found you hanging from a rearview mirror making a car smell nice. I don't know, fucker. Maybe I should just join the priesthood, you know? Be a frigid forever like Father Glitter. How are you, Father? Honestly, man. After being bitten by that otter, getting curry dumped all over me by Gerskoin, and finding out the love of my life was a racist who believed in eugenics, it's just so complicated. Boner bro, while you spent the summer indoors pulling the professor plum off yourself to Martine McCutcheon in OK Magazine, I was scoring the hoop off a million Colleen Jass at the Gale Talk. I can tell you bro, it ain't that complicated. Really? Totally! All you gotta do is protrude, retract, depress, and elevate your genio, hilo, stylo, and patologulosus muscles, you asshole. And once you start, it comes naturally. You just need to get it out of the way. But how, fuckler? The name's Fuckstein. Okay, look. I heard this is party happening tonight. Johnny Spotlights. His mom runs a speech and drama school. Oh. Okay, I'm down. Sure, I just got a new Fred Durst hat I wanted to try. All right. But just a warning, bro, shit can get a little crazy. These speech and drama kids don't fuck around. I- I'm ready. Okay, man, this is the place. Oh, man, what the fuck are you wearing? Well, it's like a regular hat, but I've put it on sideways. Oh, man, what's that fucking smell? Link's Australia. Mama got it in Tesco. Whatever, bro. Man, lucky for you, these girls would lick the color off a traffic light. Wow, there's so many girls here. Speech and drama, bro. These freaks outnumber the boys ten to one. Who's that guy? Man, that's Johnny Spotlight's older brother. I think he just graduated from the Lear Academy. Wow, that's so cool. A grown man is here, like at a transition year party. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay, come on, let's find Johnny. I wonder if he's in this room. What the fuck? Six years only, man. What the fuck? Get out! Oh my god. Six years only! Is that goat smoking a Get out! Told you, bro. Speech and drama gets pretty crazy. Right, I'm going to find Johnny. Oh. <coughs> You're cute. Pixie does. Sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> cool. Wow, are those fairy wings? Uh-huh. I'm the party pixie. <laughs> and now you're under my spell. Meet me in the shed in 20 minutes for a big surprise. Uh, cool. <laughs> like, like a kinder surprise? I-, I like kinder surprises. You know, the ones that come in parts. You know, the ones you have to put together. Well, then you'll be glad to know this is a surprise you have to put together. It has two parts, and we each have one. (laughs) See you in 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, I'll see you then. Shit, what am I gonna do? This is it, Boner. 
Time to get your tongue ready. La 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 long. La 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 long long la long 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 la 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 long. This your first speech and drama party? Yeah, why? Yarika fair and koala shy. I'm new to it, that's all. Who even are you? Madonna. I build the sets and all for these sluts. Rigged the whole chandelier last year for Phantom and the Opera and they still don't know me name. Look, take it from a girl who's seen it all. This ain't your scene, bro. Yeah, well listen, Madonna. I'm not gonna sit here and be lectured by some jealous carpenter, okay? I've got a date with a fairy outside. Good night. Fair enough. Talk to you. What does she know? I could be a drama kid. Jesus, what's this queue? Oh, there's Johnny. Hey, Johnny, how come you have to queue for your own toilet, man? Oh, hey, Boner. This isn't the queue for the Jacks, you silly fuck. This is the queue for the meat fairy. She's set up in the grotto outside. I'm number 13. God, I love kissing girls. What? This whole queue? Hey, Fuckler, what's going on, man? The name's Fuckstein! Sorry, Boner, I'm number four. Can't let you skip this one, bro. Oh, man, I don't know about this. I mean, my first meet? After all these guys? Ain't your scene, bro. Ain't your scene. Ah. Ah. Ah, lovely stuff. I want to thank Ali Fox for contributing a voice there on very short notice. I said, look, just send it to me on a voice note. Uh, and she very uh, was very patient with me. And uh, I sent her some lines and she sent them across. And thank you very much, Ali, for playing the phenomenal role of Madonna. Will we hear more from Madonna? Will we hear more from Boner? You'll have to wait and see. Uh, but now on to whatever bullshit I'm talking about now. Um, look, I've always been a big uh, fan of um, predictions. Look, I probably even bought the Nostradamus book back when everyone was like, oh, the world's going to end in 2012 and... You know, like he says, like about two big like steel birds crashing into like another big steel thing. And that's like 9-11 and all. You know, um, like I never really fully bought into that. Because 9-11's bad and everything. But um, you also have to wonder why he only predicted the things that the, the media would also find to be the most, um, you know, uh, the, would be the, the biggest talking points of the 20th and 21st century, you know. Um, like, yeah, he predicted... Oh, I didn't know he was French. I'm not going to lie, he's gone up a bit now. I actually, not to, like, you know, I, I did think he was Italian before, and that's nothing against the Italians, but there's a load of Italians around. You know, he's a real standout Frenchman here, uh, coming out with this news. Um, so, yeah, what did he, he predicted the death of Henry II. Um, he predicted the Great Fire of London. The blood of the just will commit a fault at London. Burnt through lightning of 23 the 6. Of 23's the 6. Uh, the ancient lady will fall from her high place. Several of the same sect will be killed. Um, it's tantalizing if you interpret it as some do as 23's the 6 as 66. Uh, add uh, to that the mention of London and the references to deaths. You can see why it's believed that the Great Fire London 1666 is what he was talking about. Uh, the coming of Hitler is what he also predicted. Uh, what did he say? From the depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. Um, and and what does this child do? He will, by his tongue, seduce a great troop and his fame will spread far beyond Europe. Uh, another quatrain of possible significance mentions fighting close by the Hister, which is either a loose reference to Hitler or a more mundane mention of the old name of the Danube River. That's kind of similar. All right, what did he say about JFK? This is the one that I never believe. Um, from on high, evil will fall on the great man. 
Huh. <laughs> um, and a dead innocent will be accused of the deed. So that's if you believe Lee Harvey Oswald was the Patsy. Uh, Patsy Kenze. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of Patsy Palmer. Ricky, I didn't do any shoot on his shoot, Kennedy, Ricky. Um, so I've always been into predictions. So let's look at some predictions. Um, that was from um, history.co.uk. Um, but let's look at some predictions that they made in the 1960s um, about what life will be like in 2020. So um, this is from considerable.com, uh, an article by Claudia Lyman. Um, so this is uh, predictions for 2020. Number one, live in apes. Did I stammer? We'll clean our houses and take care of the gardening. <laughs> okay, so this is what it says. While the idea of a live-in maid, let alone a personal garter, is a luxury um, that few of us could ever dream, it was once believed that apes... Pick my roses, you damn dirty ape! Uh, ...will fill these roles for f- um, families and will be a common sight in neighbourhoods nationwide. A 1967 newsletter from The Futurist published an article titled Women and the Year 2000. <laughs> Do I have your attention now, women? Um, By the year 2020, it may be possible to breed intelligent species of animals such as apes that will be capable of performing manual labor. During the 21st century, those houses that don't have a robot in the broom closet could have a live-in ape to do the cleaning and gardening chores. Well, look, let's, let's weigh this up. Is this true? I think this is more or less confirmed. I told you, I went to an... Well, I didn't. I, my friend went to an Illuminati party and he told me that there were apes, a type of ape he'd never seen before, serving drinks. Could it be possible that these apes were in, in originally bred uh, to do, you know, maybe more skilled labour, like cooking dinners and gardening? Uh, and then, unfortunately, because of some freak accident, all they could do was, um, you know, um, serve drinks. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that anyone works in a bar. This is like a <laughs> it's a failed ape experiment. I'm not saying that because you always have to take the orders for the drinks. These apes apparently were just delivering the drinks. Um now this was before they probably knew that by having a live-in ape, you also run the risk of your face and genitals being torn off. This is probably before this is you know, this is before that famous video of your one, you know, the phone call. Like, you know, like your own, who apparently was trying to get her ape into a car, so gave it a sedative, and the ape didn't know why it was passing out and just lashed out. You should not be living with an ape. You should not be living with a monkey. Um, would I still like this? Of course. Look, I have always wanted a sidekick. Uh, I've always wanted to dress them in my kind of clothes. Um, you know, maybe call them Tony Jr. You know, I have a child now, but it's not the same. Number two, apes will make perfect chauffeurs and could reduce the number of car accidents. What are you talking about? <laughs> is this like in an infinite world where an infinite amount of apes, one of them could be an exceptional driver, maybe the new Lewis Hamilton? Um, maybe the new, uh, I'm trying to think of a pun. Um, uh, come on, think of a think of a Formula One driver and think of a, an ape. Um Monkey Schumacher, um, Capuchin, um, Kimmy, Chimpy, Chimpy Raikkonen, um, Macaque. 
<coughs> come back to me. The same futurist article um, sure puts a lot of faith in apes. In addition to assuming that they could work a vacuum and tend to our rose gardens, it also suggested that the most highly trained simians can work as chauffeurs too, suggesting that highly trained apes as family, family chauffeurs might decrease the number of automobile accidents, it says. Um... There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot kind of riding on that. And, a, and the main thing is um, this ape training, um, this ape training facility. Now, again, maybe this has already happened. Maybe, you know, Caesar and the boys, you know, but would they drive better than a human? You know, like I often have this kind of like, like my son, uh, I had, we have this little, this little stand from the stand up, even though you know, and it's, he can has it's a little bar there to protect him, so he can kind of see what we're doing at the counters, and we give him like a, a spoon and a and a bowl, and he feels like he's doing stuff as well, right? But it's also beside the drawer, and he took out of the drawer the other day the butcher knife, like the big, and he held it by the blade, <laughs> and I had very calmly talk him out of whatever he was thinking of doing, you know what I mean? Um, and luckily, because um, you know my chap. Is, is top drawer, I was able to stop him, you know, he just started crying, like, I don't know what got into me, I'm like, it's fine, you know? no, I got the knife off him, um, and it was very, you know, I saw, kind of saw him, and I was like, what's he grabbing there, oh shit, and I took it off him very quick, but I maybe think of, like, you know, if he was an ape, what would he have done, you know what I mean, a highly emotional ape, you know, like, when I'm in a car, I get highly emotional, I'm not very prone to anger, you know, but when the pressure of me in a car being like, like, even someone just veering a little bit, like, I'm going to die, you're going to die! And I'm screaming, and I'm freaked, you know? My heart's beating out my chest. Because we're all just driving these death machines, do you know what I mean? And it, it, We all forget about it until we come even a smidgen close, and we're like, oh my god, yeah, I didn't realize I have, like, a, a fucking atomic weapon here. You know what I mean? In, in, in a smaller scale. So, an ape, someone cutting off an ape, I don't trust the safety of my kids in the back of that seat, especially if the, this ape is highly intelligent to know. Are you going to take away that emotion from an ape? Because I don't want that either. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't believe this could ever work. Um, however, roadways may be replaced with pneumatic tubes. Um, so speaking of cars, maybe part of the reason apes would be able to drive around is because roads would no longer exist. In 1957... Popular Mechanics published a series of predictions in 2020, including one that claimed roads and streets would be replaced by a network of pneumatic tubes. Family vehicles will only need a small amount of mobile power since they will have to get from the owner's home to a nearby tube. Then they'll be pneumatically powered to any desired uh, destination. And pneumatic pockets will uh, completely eliminate the possibility of crashes. This is what I'm talking about. This is what we need to do. We've seen the train. And for some reason, we're like, we can't have that. We don't want rails everywhere. We know, we know, we, we kind of want the free will of anyone to make a mistake. Where, you know, I, I honestly don't know why people have cars. We shouldn't have cars. We should be walking around places, you know. But with this Hyperloop, you know, Tesla and SpaceX's Hyperloop, it could, it could be pretty close. I, I think this is, I think we're late to it, but I think it's essential. I think it's essential that we're all going in one direction and that's it. And that we don't have the option of turning. We don't want to be turning. You know, of course, I still think motorsports and everything like that. And do your own thing. That's great. But um, let's get us in the fucking tubes. Do you know what I mean? Next one. No one will ever have to clear a dinner table ever again. This sounds perfect for me. Uh, this is a new thing for me, actually, m taking dishes. You know, if you want to make a good impression, uh, get up before you think everyone's ready and start clearing away, uh, clearing away dishes. Um, if you really want to make a really good impression, you know. 
And it's not that hard. And look, once you go into the kitchen, no one knows you're just going to leave them all there in a big pile. Do you know what I mean? But moving them away from the table and look, hey, look at me for a second. And do you know what you do as well? Say, hey, can I get that dish? Hey, are you finished there? No, I'm just going to clean this dish. You know, get everyone's attention. You know, that's kind of new thing that I'm that I'm doing. You know, not and and this is the thing. I when you learn these these good habits later on. You have to kind of, you know, find some kind of instant gratification reason to do things because it's not drained into you like manners. Do you know what I mean? So my reason for doing it is, hey, look at me. I'm very helpful. Love me, love me, love me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, I haven't even explained what this thing does. Um, in an issue of Popular Mechanics um, from 1951, it says um, dining room tables will become a sort of smart table capable of clearing themselves, noting dining room tables will quietly swallow dishes after a meal and then transfer them to the dishwasher, which will clean the dishes, dispose of the garbage, stack and store uh, uh, eating utensils until the next mealtime. I don't know why that's not a thing. I don't know why that's a thing. I don't know why you still have to load a dishwasher. I don't know why you still take things out of dishwasher. Tell you what you have to do as well in 2020. Popular mechanics didn't get. You have to rinse things before you even put them in the dishwasher. I couldn't, can't get over that. And I, and, and like... And like I just something in me, I can't wash, I can't pre-wash. I'm not pre-washing a dish, and I know it's going to come out piggity. And I know because I had microwaved egg in there, that's going to be baked in. And I know that the power of the cement. And I'm just hoping next time it'll be clean. I'm just hoping. It's moronic. It's insane. And Terry's like, well, you just rinse it off. And I'm like, I cannot. I can't wash twice. I just have this blind faith in a technology that isn't there. It's not going to help it. But I cannot wash a dish before I put it in the dishwasher. Sometimes there's a fucking leg of chicken on it. And I'm like, it'll go. It'll just disappear. I cannot be washing that dish. (laughs) I cannot be washing that dish. Leg of chicken is extreme. I don't know why that's possible. Well, that's not possible. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why Bosch don't have a table. That, you know, it's the same. And But, like, of course, you know, it's it only works with certain plates. It only works with certain glasses. But, like, buy the whole cookware set. Buy the whole, you know, shebang. But you just know that you never have to wash it again. I don't know why that's not a thing, you know. And I also don't know why why dishwashers don't have, like, a big thing to catch the big food. Maybe that goes in a little bin underneath, you know. Be able to be like, all right, that's it. Now, yeah, it is soaking wet, but it's off the plate, and there it is. It's not clogging at them. Do you know what I mean? Here's where it goes down. Here's where the big bits go, and here's where the little bits go. And, and the... <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm such a bad, I'd be such a bad engineer. Here's where the big bits go. That's where a little bit goes, right? Hello, Bosh. Uh, number six. We're all going to eat candy made of underwear. Oh, my God. So one of the oddest and least appealing um, prognostications came from the New York Times science editor, Waldemar Kampfert. More like Waldemort fucking pervert, who wrote an article for Popular Mechanics. So what he said is basically that uh, a few diehards will uh, still broil a chicken or roast a leg of lamb, but basically uh, experts will have developed ways of deep freezing, partially baked goods and cuts of meat, even soup and milk are going to be delivered in the form of frozen bricks. Look, I'm all for that. I'm not necessarily here for all the costs of keeping things frozen, um, but in the grand scheme, if that's better for the environment, look, you get things frozen. Let me tell you about frozen berries. (laughs) I buy frozen berries, right? And they're cheap enough. This isn't, you know, and I tell you what, they are as good as fresh berries, and they're cheaper. So they're probably as good and half the price. That's economy in my favor right there. Um, uh, but I don't know why we don't have more frozen things and why we don't get into more of a kind of, that was frozen, we buy it frozen, we let it thaw. Do you know what I mean? It's a cheaper way of doing things. It should be more socially acceptable. Things are fro- are frozen at the peak of freshness. You have to remember that. Um, <laughs> who the fuck am I? <laughs> Am I telling you this? But anyway, he also said that sawdust 
and wood pulp are converted into sugary foods. Sounds great. And discarded paper table linens and rayon underwear will be bought by chemical factories and converted into candy. Can I have your rayon underwear if you're not finished? Um, look, I'm I'm not a big fan of the candy underwear thing, the whole jelly underwear thing. I've said this before. I don't know why we don't go into the savory bedroom kind of edibles. Uh, you know, um, you know, instead of your, you know sex chocolate you know more of a uh, kind of a pourable uh, gravy um and instead of a you know candy underwear like a bread you know like um like just hollow out a sourdough loaf two leg holes you know and uh a couple of kaiser rolls for a bra you know what i mean that kind of me be fucking stuffed <laughs> you'd be fucking talk about bloody um you know chowder served in, in a loaf of bread a bloody woman <laughs> you'd be stuffed you know, you'd be like Hulk Hogan in that sex tape where he's all like, I can't believe I had so much fucking sushi before, you know, after he, after his mate uh, uh, cooked him, essentially, uh, cook-olded him into, into, into writing his, his girlfriend. Um, it said, investment in Apple would be a bad move. Okay, yeah, oh, very good. Um, here's another weird one. In uh, 1966, um, Arthur C. Clarke said, houses will be able to fly by 2020. <laughs> Uh, not only that, but if a homeowner decides they wanted to switch it up to a beach view, um, that would be easy to do. <laughs> okay. Um, there might be a time when whole communities can migrate south for the winter. All right, mate. All right, Arthur C. Clarke. Don't be a prick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, and what? We'll just have a load of um, sentient houses flying around, controlled by vulture funds, will we? Vulture drones. People just dropping baths out of houses. Look, it's not going to happen. Um Humans will become a one-toed species. Dr. Richard Clement Lucas, in the 1900s, um, he said that uh, he found all ten digits on our toes superfluous. And during a 1911 lecture, he said, human beings in the future will become one-toed. The small toes are going to be used less and less as time goes on, while the great toe is going to develop at an astonishing manner. I do have quite a big toe. Um, and quite a small baby toes is a joke it's a fucking joke it's an embarrassment I want it removed to be perfectly honest um, I don't see that happen that, that hasn't happened you're fucking you're um, you should you should uh, posthumously have your doctorate removed from you sir um, well look <laughs> this has been a fucking weird one look I hope you've enjoyed this pod i hope you enjoyed the sketch um as is the nature with uh, predicting things there is no you know there's no end to it there's no neat little bow you can put on predictions it is always open-ended uh, as is this podcast never ending never beginning always meandering <laughs> so thank you very much for listening and i want to thank the sponsors of this week's pod the dubliner irish whiskey thank you very much go to the dld.com uh, and check out all their fine range and new uh, upcoming whiskies do watch that space for some some new drops that's coming their way i can't tell you any more about that and I want to thank as well the great Ali Fox um, for uh, giving uh, a phenomenal performance in um, my teen comedy uh, drama The Frigid uh, on very very short notice as well so I do very much appreciate that Ali and if you like this pod in general you want to support this pod you would like to make this pod better I tell you how you can do that you can go over to the Patreon type in Tony Catwell and you can sponsor this pod for the equivalent of a price of a pint a month hey don't be going into town getting shit faced leaving a lot of rubbish save one of those pints in the form of a, a bit of cash and give it to me <laughs> every month that sounds great right 
uh, through the Patreon. But if you look, if you're not in the position to give, there's a lot of very cool people and a lot of very sound people. Not to say you're not cool if you can't give, but a lot of very sound people uh, who, because of their very nice patronage, allow me to do this on a regular basis. Spend far too long <laughs> doing that, doing writing and, and, and recording uh, the frigid. But look, thank you very much. Uh, you're the best. I love you dearly. And I'll see you next week. All the best. Bye-bye. Let's only get a